Hi, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week in Review podcast for the week ending Friday, August the 20th. On this week's edition, we're going to talk about the latest COVID-19 related news and politics and critical race theory. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. Hello there. So uh, another week, another um, another week of bad numbers all around. Uh, hospitals continue to be strained. We had several days of enormous new cases. Uh, you know, I don't know that there's there was hope midweek when we saw some declining numbers that maybe we were in the beginning of a a downward trend, and then on Thursday we had I don't know 3,400 new cases. And of course, there's great fear that with school back in session or K-12 school back in session this week, and then uh, I think most universities starting up next week, then we're about to just see an explosion. Yeah, we just don't know yet. I mean, they, they announced these 35, 3,600 yesterday, and it seemed to be some suggestion that the schools were doing a good job of counting their cases. And so maybe that the first day of the first week of school maybe inflated yesterday's number a little bit. And today it was down only what, 2,300, 2,400, something like that, which is still a pretty big day. But, uh, but the hospitals remain packed. Uh, the ICU units remain packed. There's st- a steady increase in the number of people on ventilators, which means people who are in, in imminent danger of death. And uh, yeah, and, and it's too early to know if the school exposure is going to set off a huge spike or not. I mean, there's what a five, at least a five, what a five day incubation period. And so the fact that people went back to school Monday, it's, it's too early to say what the effects are going to be. and and to be able to look at differences, for example, between districts that mask and don't mask and, and that sort of thing. And the community pressure just continues to be enormous. Uh, I was talking to somebody on the Bentonville School Board and they're just getting heaped with abuse up there for voting to have a mask mandate in Bentonville. And, you know, the people in the, that tribe in Northwest Arkansas, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's just identifiable mask. Republicans, Trump, and they just, they believe intimidation and ugly tactics works and they're, they're using them. Of course, some parents up there filed a lawsuit uh, through the, a lawyer just indelibly associated with right-wing nut evangelical causes, Travis Story, claiming unconstitutional to be made to wear a mask. And they've tried to now to move that case to federal court to avoid having to use an elected local judge. Uh, up there and perhaps string out the thing and maybe get a, a court ruling on some of these supposed constitutional issues that would be a precedent for other places. But in any event, that's that's bothering. I was interested to read today that uh, the Harmony Grove School District in Camden, which had voted to require masks, uh, reversed itself yesterday four to, in a four to three vote, very contentious, apparently. And I would note that Harmony Grove is where Trent Garner went to school. So it's perhaps not surprising that there's some real real resistance to mask wearing in, in, in that neck of the woods. I, I you know, I, we'll just, we'll just see. I, I mean, the governor refuses to require anything and, and, and perhaps he's right at this point. I mean, perhaps th- there might be a, an insurrection if he did. I, I don't know. Arkansas's pig headedness is just kind of remarkable. 
and he's yeah. you know saying that the vaccine's the answer and yeah it is but we can't get people to take that either so we recorded early last week uh day before there was news and the Little Rock mask lawsuit, uh, we had uh, the announcement that uh, Attorney General Leslie Rutledge would indeed file an appeal. And then right on the heels of that, that uh, Senate pro tem Jimmy Hickey and and House um, leader Matthew Shepard retained separate counsel. We still don't really understand what's going on, or I don't at least understand what's going on. I don't for sure, but I, I, I do think the governor is going to intervene to say the law is unconstitutional. And so at this point, and, and I think that the, th- this creates something of a conflict for the attorney general. Uh, I mean, who does she, I mean, who does she represent? And she's not representing the governor anymore. She's not representing the house and Senate anymore. She's basically just representing herself. And so she's just going to defend the law. I I'm beginning to think that the, the hickey, uh, shepherd intervention is to protect what they believe is the legislature's right to tell the governor what to do. I mean, and, and in effect, defending the, the ban on mass mandates. But but I, I think what they want to protect as much as anything is their legislative prerogative. The, the legislature has increased its authority in Arkansas by leaps and bounds in the last few years. And, and I don't think they want to let go of it. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that Jimmy Hickey and Matthew Shepard are particularly uh, in favor of the the ban on mass mandates. I think, in fact, Hickey voted against that bill and Shepard didn't vote. The House Speaker usually doesn't vote. But I do think they're absolutely committed to legislative power. And so I think that's what we're going to see. And I think we'll see Leslie defend the law up and down the governor say it's unconstitutional legislature say we're not here to talk about mass mandates we're here to talk about uh, separation of power and our supremacy in the arkansas scheme of things that'd be my prediction so there's a trial date set sometime in november uh it will be wild with all those parties already you have the the original plaintiffs from tom mars and then pulaski county interveners and the LRSD and Marion with the separate lawsuit that got got joined in, and now you've got the governor, legislative leaders, and Rutledge. I don't know how many that is, six or seven. <laughs> so do we anticipate that it goes to full trial before being Well, I'm expecting, I'm expecting the state to attempt to get the Supreme Court to uh, stay the injunction put the law back into effect uh and i and they have done that before on on these sorts of things uh this issue has become very complicated by the fact that what is it something like 112 school districts have voted have voted to impose mass mandates uh taking advantage of that court ruling and so this is a little different than when the Supreme Court steps in and, and stops a, some, some order on a, oh, a gay rights bill or something where the effect might not be so dramatic by them allowing the law to go forward. And so I just don't know. I mean, I, but that, that's the other part about it is the trial's not until November. We're going to have a couple of months of experience of this. 
And so it's as good as the law staying in effect till the appeal. And then even if there's a trial, uh, then he makes If there's a trial, the judge makes the same decision and he made the injunction. That's the way it works. I mean, you've got to decide when you grant an injunction that the person asking for it has a good chance of success. And I, and I think they do. And so then it has to go up on appeal. I mean, it's, uh, this is, that law is not going to be the law unless the Supreme Court steps in and says, uh, we, we want, we don't want a decision on this pending a full trial. So I just don't know. Uh, uh, other big uh, coronavirus news was national this week. Uh, boosters are coming, likely, uh, beginning uh, in September for, for people who had their shots eight months ago. I'm guessing that's you or close Bring to Bring them on. October the 10th is my magic date, and uh, that's like two weeks before we may go off on a trip. And so, yeah, we're... You can get them already if you're immunocompromised. Uh, and so, you know, there's a very principled argument that that America be, should be pushing to get vaccine into all the underserved nations of the world. That's better globally for dealing with the, the pandemic than trying to just help people in this favored nation. And, and I get that. And, you know, I mean, I. But I, if it's available, I'm going to take it. Sure. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Yeah. I mean, I think part of the argument, too, is that we should be doing more to make vaccines available to, to countries where they're not now to prevent further variants from developing. Oh, right. No, there's, there's, a, public, there's a, a medical argument for it. Yeah. It's not just looking after poor folks. It's also to prevent development of new and crazier variations than the Delta variant. Uh, another announcement uh, President Biden made was that retirement communities, long-term care facilities uh, would no longer re be reimbursed for Medicare or Medicaid if their employees aren't vaccinated. I forget what the deadline is for that. It's sometime in the future. Yeah, it's not yet in place. And and, and thank goodness. I, I think it's a tremendous move and it's long overdue because the you know, the people in nursing homes are at tremendous risk and, and when they get sick they die at, a, at an enormous rate because they're all old and infirm to begin with. Uh in Arkansas the the average immunization rate for all nursing homes is sixty percent, which is about the national average. But there's a wide variance. Uh, some some chains are a lot better than others, and some of them are abysmally low. The argument is, is oh, I can't get people to work if I make them get a shot. And, you know, you want to say, well, you know, tough beans, you know. I mean, you get millions of dollars in Medicaid money, you can protect these patients or you can shut down if you can't, you know, and let them go to someplace that they can. I mean, that sounds a little cold, but the, on, the only one argument that I, I think carried a little weight from the nursing home lobby is and again this was a case where hutchinson said oh i hate to mandate anything well you know sometimes that's the only way you achieve things is by requiring it that's that's how we got people to use seat belts as the federal government said fine you don't have to have a seat belt law but you won't get any money to build highways with if you don't and so the states passed seat belt laws you know, and that's and they started and they said, you got to enforce them. And so people started wearing seatbelts. And guess what? Fatalities went down. So it's kind of the same thing. I'm all for it. But anyway, the nursing homes, 
one thing they said, well, we're, we're for good health and all that. And we encourage our people to get vaccinated and so on. But if they're not also requiring it at other health facilities, hospitals and what have you, uh, then maybe it's a problem. Well, that's a point. And, and yeah, I think they ought to mandate it too. And, and gradually, uh, hospitals are the two biggest groups and private groups in Arkansas have, or at least two of the bigger ones, uh, have decided to begin doing that. State law prohibits state institutions like UAMS from doing it. And that's another law that needs to be struck down. So, but I, I think there's some movement, there's movement in the, in the entertainment field require vaccinations at concerts. And the more we see of that, uh, the, the better off I think we'll be. And it's it's worked in France, you know, to get to be able to go to sidewalk cafes and what have you. You've got to have this card that shows you're vaccinated. And so people have responded. I, I think clearly that that stick needs to be applied. Tariffs, lottery tickets, $100 bonuses have not worked. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, this week, state... Uh or, or I guess in, in previous weeks, State Representative Mark Lowry had asked Attorney General Leslie Rutledge for an op- opinion on whether teaching critical race theory or anti-racism uh, violated Arkansas's constitution. And this week, uh, the Attorney General released a, a long, ridiculous opinion saying that, yes, in some cases it does. Yeah, she's, the opinion, the official opinion said it could which was an interesting condition, although her campaign releases about it have said flatly that it does violate the Constitution. And I I wrote on the web, and it was a terrible departure from all journalistic norms, and I'm sorry, but I I, I still say it's just pure D bullshit. You know, (laughs) this, this, this opinion was such a bunch of garbage, and it turns out the request for the opinion and the opinion mirror something that's been filtering through Republican states. Uh, I, I cited similar requests and language in Montana and Texas, I think. And it repeats the same garbage about questioning information that's kept at the Smithsonian Institution of African-American History, making baloney assertions about what critical race theory is and isn't quoting Martin Luther King, which is just offensive to its very core. And, and, and yes, uh, and and then citing things like the civil rights act and saying, you know, it's, you can't discriminate and create harmful environments for people based on race. Yes, that's true. But teaching about racial discrimination in American history and teaching that, that elements of it still exist is not harmful except the racist snowflakes who don't want to hear about it. You know, they want to, they, they really believe it's harmful if you don't teach both sides of slavery <laughs> as if there were two sides to slavery. I mean, there weren't, it was bad. There were a few individuals perhaps that weren't as bad as others, but they still owned other human beings, which on its face is a pretty bad thing. And, and, and the practice continued well into the 20th century de facto with holding people in involunt- almost involuntary servitude on, on farms and, and in other labor situations. So in, in any event, it was, it was a political 
stroke by Rutledge. Uh, it seems to be the flavor of the day in Republican Party politics. In certain places, it seems to have some resonance. I mean, there are these crazy school board meetings where people are screaming about critical race theory. They couldn't define it if their lives depended on it. Uh, Mark Lowry's running for secretary of state. Perhaps he thinks it's some way to score points in a Republican primary and God help us. Maybe it is. Leslie Rutledge is running for governor. But I mean, I'm sure Sarah Huckabee Sanders is just as nutty on critical race theory as she is. I, I, I don't. I don't see what it doesn't serve the. I don't see what it gains politically for them, particularly. Uh, it's it's abjectly awful legal scholarship. It's full of speculative nonsense. But uh, that seems to be the order of the day in Republican politics. And as as you suggested, and uh, last week or the week before. Legislature is not formally adjourned and is set to return in a month or next month for redistricting. And, uh, you know, you, you saw an attempt during the special session to consider masks to bring up critical race theory by uh, Trent Garner. So I'd say there's high likelihood they're going to bring oh, something yeah. else. Oh, it, it, and, and, it and assorted other craziness will be back on the agenda, you can be sure. So and and hard to imagine it not passing either. But. Yeah, I, I, there's you know it's. I, I think the mass bill was a pretty good indication. Even people like Jimmy Hickey and Matthew Shepard, who know better, couldn't muster any leadership to stop it. The the lunatics are in charge of the asylum. Uh, okay, well let's let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. We ah, have this. Well. Well, your endorsement of Fates and Furies was a very good endorsement. I, I went, I, I told you that I went to buy it on Amazon uh, on, for my Kindle, and I discovered I already owned it. And after I opened it, uh, I discovered I had read it already, and I did, and I did like it very much. I told you I have a, I have a learning disability about titles of books and movies, and this was one of those ones. I mean, book titles just they just go into the ozone with me. And so I had read. Is it Fates and Furies? Is that the name of it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remembered it for a day. In any, in any event, it is a good book. I recommend it. <laughs> well, uh, I just got her short story collection that came out after that called Florida. She lives in Florida and has for a number of years, and uh, it also is supposed to be great. So I'm excited to read that. And she has a new book coming out. September 7th, I believe, called uh, The Matrix, or it has Matrix in the title that is set in the Middle Ages, I believe. So uh, for Lauren Groff fans, there's, there's more to read. Uh, well, you and I were talking before the show about a, uh, a big project the Arkansas Times is working on rounding up uh, the, the taco trucks of central Arkansas. So I'll have more to say about that in coming weeks, and, and that'll that'll be out for everybody to read soon. But one thing that will only get a glancing mission, mention is all of the delightful uh, beverages that can be found at taco trucks and sweet treats. I was at uh, Sabor Latino on Baseline yesterday and got a pineapple agua fresca that was just the best thing that I've had all summer. I want one right now. 
so they make it from fresh pineapple yes there were wow. uh, tasted the pineapple chunks and you get in this huge i don't know probably 36 ounce styrofoam cup ice um you know agua fresca means fresh water so it's it's fruit and sugar and and water and ice Sounds and great. And, you know, sometimes I, I got another agua fresca, a melon, which is my favorite flavor, uh, made of cantaloupe, earlier in the week that was quite good, but was too sweet. And so there's a perfect amount, the perfect balance of fruit, sugar, and water, and this one hit it. Uh, you know, it was refreshing without having that heavy, sweet cola kind of. Yeah, I don't, I don't want it too sweet. That's what I like about some of the bottled Mexican sodas is, there's a grapefruit one that I really like. It's not terribly sweet. It's kind of, kind of tangy. Uh, and I, I didn't go to any trucks that had this, but several of them have manganadas, which just look amazing. And I, I want one right now. It's mango puree and, um, and there's, I think a little bit of vinegar in it. And, um, it's icy it's got it's some tahine or some kind of cayenne on it sometimes you have these like pepper coated straws that come with it it's oh. basically the, the mango coated in cayenne as a frozen treat is the idea um but yeah it's just so many strange to me and delicious looking treats that i love i love mangoes the mangoes are in it at uh, Mercado San Jose, and I got one that was just perfectly ripe and just dripped all over me. It was wonderful, but it reminds me of something my daughter sent me. Is, is is the Nepalese a dumpling place back in business in Little Rock? Do you know? Uh, I think they moved to Conway. Oh, too bad, because my daughter, there's a great one in New York, and she sent me some packets of condiments from the Nepalese place, and one of them is a mango, mango and hot pepper blend, kind of a dark red paste, and Man, it is good, but it, it I, I, that's what it, it needs something to dip it in, and I think the the dumplings they're designed to dip dumplings in. So I mm-hmm. need I need some of those momos. Yeah, this is good. All right. Well, on that note, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. Get your shot. Wear your mask. We'll be back next week. See you around.